Welcome, Welcome to, to Steer Queer. <laughs> we can still use that one. I can already feel my bowel loosening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there perfect. I was like, where is the G chord? There it is. Uh, <laughs> my adorable little ukulele here. Um, G chord. Yeah, sex, <laughs> insert sex reference. Oh, um, welcome everybody to Steer Queer, our true to life lifestyle queer comedy podcast. I am Kyle and... I am feeling my gay self in my gay world, in my gay house, on my gay computer. I'm so gay right now. I'm so queer and I'm so happy. And on my left, I have... <laughs> you have me. It's Austin. Shim Sham. And, and also, Cody's here. Hi, Cody. <laughs> the cutie patootie with the Puerto Rican booty. Oh, Ooh, those are they, they, these are going to keep getting better and better every week. I'm so excited. <laughs> and of course, today we're super excited to introduce our extra special guest, Jerrica. Say hello, Jerrica. Hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm a I'm Jerrica. Um, how do what I, yeah, you I introduce are. myself? How do I do this? I am I live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I've lived here a bunch of my life, not all of it, but a bunch of it. And I know Austin, and I met you, Kyle, through Austin, and I just met you today, Cody, via this Zoom app. Nice to meet you. you You're too. very pretty, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I know you don't. You guys don't see this who are listening, but he's very pretty. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a musician in Eau Claire. I, what else do I? I also host a radio show called Tunes from the Womb on Converge Radio. And I'm a lesbian, queer, identifying human being. And I, we just got a puppy. I have a girlfriend and she needed a dog, so we have one. The puppy, oh. by the way, is the cutest. <laughs> Such a, a sweetie. Black Such a sweetie. Oh. Mm. I was just going to say, and we're definitely going to be linking to all of Jerrica's music, which you can hear on Spotify, right, Jerrica? That's true. You can hear on Spotify and everywhere else, too. Or buy it. Or buy it with real cash money. <laughs> that is a thing I forgot. You can actually purchase music, too. You can, but don't what? touch it. You'll oh. get coronavirus. So. Yes. Wear your mask when you're listening. Please wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we forget, also, we have to highlight the shot of the week. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We cannot forget this. So today, our shot of the week, for those of you that like to imbibe, is two parts gin and one part St. Germain. It's oh. aromatic. It's unrelenting. It makes me horny as hell. And that's why I'm going to drink it out of the Blanche Devereaux shot glass. Ooh. Oh, wow. Wow. Cheers, queers. Cheers, queers. Cheers, queers. Because <laughs> there's nothing like getting horny in the middle of the afternoon. 
<laughs> on a Sunday. On a Sunday. The Lord whatever day. day this is released. <laughs> <laughs> Jerrica, you're in for a wild time. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you guys for having me be a part of this. I'm your first guest, right? You, yes, you are. You're yeah, you are. Guest. You're the first. I beat your and boyfriend, Kai. First, you did. And you, bumped, only. you bumped my boyfriend. That's what you did. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What also, real quick. I'm, oh, go, go ahead. No, I'm. Sorry. Oh, uh, get her out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quickly, we just wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners, and I don't know if you call them subscribers, but we recently just hit our first milestone of a hundred viewers. So we're pretty hot. We're pretty hot Yay. shit right now. That's why we're we're confident enough to have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say she's our first and only guest because this shit hit the fan after this episode. <laughs> this went not. downhill quick. <laughs> it all came crashing down in a wonderful blaze. So let's all do a quick check in here. How's everybody been doing this week? Pretty good. That's it. So, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that's all. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. So I have had a brutal, brutal fucking week. Are we saying the F word on this podcast? We can say okay. it on this podcast. We can say it. Oh, I think we just did, so. <laughs> so, if, for those who don't know, I was furloughed due to the pandemic, and then I was brought back to work, and my work thought, hey, why don't you work a whole month a night shift? <laughs> um, so after being given the gift of two months of daylight, I have been banished back to the night shift. So it's been a rough transition. If anyone has not worked night shift, going back to night shift hours is, I assume what it feels like to be waterboarded slowly for years. (laughs) (laughs) So so it's been a week, but we're here and we're queer and we're doing good. You know what the big thing is, I don't think you expect night shift hours to... um, give you such mood swings. And I don't know if this happens to everybody, but I definitely get mood swings working at night. So people come up to me and they're like, I have a headache. And I'm like, we all have a headache. Go to bed. (laughs) For those who don't know, I'm a nurse. So you're welcome. (laughs) She's the angel of the ward, Uh, everybody. Kyle, did we check in with you? How are you doing? You know, it was a it was a pretty good week, kind of a weird weekend. You know, uh, it's always a, an interesting time. I was back home in our hometown of Eau Claire, and uh, oh. technically, I was in Altoona when this happened. I did walk out of a grocery store, <laughs> and as we were walking out of the grocery store, not only was I anxious the entire time because only about ten percent of people were wearing masks, uh, but also I walked out behind a couple not wearing masks and a gentleman wearing an NRA T-shirt with something on it that did not make any sense. I wish I could remember the exact quote, but it didn't, it was like disparaging towards people who are anti-gun, but in a way that made zero sense. So I was like, yep, we're home. Here we are. (laughs) I really hope it said, guns, muffins, America. (laughs) It may as well have. And Jerrica, how are you? How has your week been? How has the pandemic been treating you? Tell us everything in four sentences. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, tell us how it is. (laughs) Two Um, sentences. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's It's been a bit of a rough week for me. 
I've been trying to do a lot of research and studying and doing the work as a white person reading up on uh, my privilege and the history of black lives. And, um, you know, and also the pandemic is hard on relationships because we've been together so often, but Maddie's back at work and now we're navigating a new puppy in our life. And this puppy is uh, very, very sweet about 90% of the time. And I was bit by a dog when I was a kid. So I'm dealing with trying to not be fearful and not exude that energy because I know that little Louie, our dog is picking up on that. So I had a little bit of a rough week with him. And the relationship was a little rough. Um, that's complete honesty, you guys. Were you expecting that? Yeah, I'm really Please. glad you were honest. Because okay. we've been doing the same. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen, but we've been trying to highlight different uh, Black-led organizations to donate to, to try yeah, no, and be... I've listened to a couple. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that active you're doing allies. that. Do you have any? Uh, not to put you on the spot, but is there, are there you any are. on your mind? Organizations? Um, yeah, we've just been trying to hide, but if not, we definitely have some in the arsenal. No, I do not have any in my head at the moment, but as far as donations with money, that's not one thing I have done yet. I would like to. Oh, Maddie has. Well, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just thought if you had any, because one, it is a privilege to be able to donate because it means you have a spare income um, and not everybody does. Uh, so one organization I'd like to highlight is the Okra Project. Uh, if you're looking for an organization to donate to. Um, and I don't know if we're linking to things, but we could link to that. If not, you just Google Okra Project and you'll get it. O-K-R-A. I'll make sure to put that link in the, I'll, I'll make sure to put the link in the description. I'll add it to our list of resources. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for black trans people. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. There we go. That's how that Google works, everybody. Mm. That's how that works. That's how that happens. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we solved, we solved it. And transphobia. We oh. solved it in one episode. Oh, my Congrats. goodness. Well, and the- even in the beginning of it. <laughs> Congrats, well-meaning white people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh. where do we go from here? Jericho, what I would like to start with is, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like developing your style of music growing up in the Midwest, becoming an independent queer artist in a field that sometimes can be very difficult to break into if you don't fit a mainstream mold? Ooh, is that, that's a good is that one. way too deep of a question to start off with? Let me take a breath. Wow. <laughs> <gasps> oh. That's a good question. It is deep. Um, I I was I had just recently come out before. No, that's I started playing music before I was out. I I think yeah I came out a couple of years later, and my coming outness was just like announcing that I have a girlfriend. And I had never been in a relationship with anybody before. I'd never been kissed, never kissed anybody. And so the first few years of me being a musician was with my sisters, and it was very. It was just in here, here in Eau Claire and it, you know, being queer wasn't a part of it, but I did notice that there were queer fans and maybe they were picking up on a vibe that I was denying. And so I, I think just once I did come out, not that there was an actual moment, but I was very aware and very interested in the new kind of fans that could be developed through that and the new people we could reach through that. 
I didn't become an in a solo musician until like 20, it was right before I met Austin, 2012, maybe. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I was aware that it's harder for queer musicians to make it into any mainstream. And, and, and I haven't, I'm, I'm a queer musician who has not made it into any mainstream, but I would say that obviously my life and who I am has impacted my style and the way I sing is very much with every part of my being and a lot lot of the time it's sadness and sad songs and probably reflects on loneliness because I felt a lot of loneliness as a kid being a lesbian and not admitting it even to myself until I was 24, 25. Uh, but not wanting to be with anyone just to be with anyone. I was very, very lonely. So I think a lot of that plays into my music. But I also spent a lot of time questioning existence and uh, why we are here in the first place. And so my music reflects a lot of that too. But being a queer artist here in Eau Claire, it's very supportive and welcoming. And I get a lot of opportunities to do such such cool things. I don't know if that, I mean, I've, I've been doing it for like 15. I look at my watch for the date. What is it? 2020? (laughs) We started in 2004, 2004. So I've been doing this. Oh my God. That's over 15 years. Wow. So I don't like, I don't think, I don't know how being queer has impacted my music career or if it has, if anything, maybe it's helped. Sure. I feel like one, uh, one thing about your music, because I, I have seen you live is that what you were saying before about, uh, about maybe some of your identity coming out through your music, that kind of raw emotion. I do think that there is, there, there, there is something to pick up on there. I remember watching you live and it's just you with your guitar in a spotlight. And it was, it was, it was raw. It was real, but there was also, a little bit of there's there's wit to it there's some there's some depth to it even with the simplicity of just an acoustic guitar and a, and a solo voice so i think have using that voice in some way shape or form sometimes you're not even aware of the ways you're impacting others and the yeah. ways that your messaging is coming across to people in kind of beautiful mysterious ways and music is a great tool for that it's a great medium for that Absolutely. um and yeah, uh, Austin, I actually, I wanted to ask you, do you remember when we went to see Jerrica at the Pablo Center? Do you remember, what was it that you two were shouting back and forth to each other uh, from the audience? Or there was, there, there was that moment where you shouted something at Jerrica and she acknowledged you. And it was just like this beautiful moment of like, you, you just sang this beautiful, like heartfelt song. And then that happened. <laughs> and it was, was just that like, yelling? Was I yelling FBTC? I think I think that's what it was. <laughs> or, or was I yelling Bear Bear? Because those are my go-to. I think both. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was both. <laughs> oh, you know, I want to let FBTC remain a mystery to our yeah. viewers. That's that's for us. But Jerica, I was wondering, would you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about? your last album, and also specifically the album art, because I think it's a really beautiful story. Oh, 
It's right behind me. I know you guys can't see it, but I hung it. It's right behind me. My friend, Steph Rushka, she, I asked her to paint it for me. And then, What is it? Tell us what it is. It's, well, it's just like, I told my friend that I wanted it to be like the sea. I wanted it to look like the sea because I feel like my life, I've always, I've tried to go with the flow and it's been like the sea. There's been darkness. There's been uh, there's been beauty, there's been heaviness, there's been weight. Um, the, this, this particular, the last album, Like the Sea, that this album cover is on, or is, how do I, whatever. I get lost in words because I'm like perfectionist and <laughs> putting it together. Songwriter. Um, right there. Yeah. The, the album was about, uh, it was a breakup actually. And it was me coming to terms and finding who I am again after the breakup. It starts with a song called Over and Over, and it was a song about um, me and this particular person going back and forth. We knew we needed to end it. We were toxic. We loved each other, and that was the thing that kept bringing us back. But our we had grown to a point where we were just hurting each other more than loving each other, and we had to let it go. And then the album moves on to the next song, Trying to Find Myself. And that song is Where Are You Now? And the next song, I think, is Train Song, where I, I need to find forgiveness. I need forgiveness from that person because I'm, I'm realizing what I did to hurt that per- the relationship in us. And please forgive me in order for me to move on. And then it, it just is the album's a journey into finding myself again. I don't, is I that the story that. you were thinking, Austin? You know, it wasn't, but it went in a great direction. And <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy it did. Because, you know, and hearing you talk about relationships, because, you know, so this episode about Jerrica and kind of queer representations and music in general. And one thing I was thinking about was, so like you said, you're not, you might not be sure exactly how being queer has influenced your music. But one person I think to is uh, Sam Smith, you know, his music really spoke to me because that uh, song he sings about um, about how a one night stand isn't enough for him, but Mm -hmm. kind of we're living in a one night stand culture. Mm -hmm. I felt like that that song really spoke to me because he is queer, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't think it would have from a straight man's perspective. So I really appreciate your music because I do hear your queer perspective in your music, even even though it could, you could have wrote that song about anybody, but I, I, I found it very queer, but maybe it's because I know you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great point. When I listen to music from an artist and uh, I didn't know that they were queer, I automatically hear it, you know, assuming the the assumption of that they're straight and it's sung to, from, if it's a female voice, it's sung to their partner, man. Um, but when, I, I love when I'm wrong uh, and hearing it from the perspective of being a queer person, obviously I'm gonna connect to it even more. But there are music, there's music from straight people that is, I can connect to as well but I gravitate more towards female queer voices. We love straight people. They're great, but this episode isn't for them. (laughs) In fact, stop listening. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Stop stop listening. No, I'm kidding. Not stop listening. Look what you've been missing out on. 
Yeah. When you were saying that, Jerrica, about, um, you know, sometimes you don't realize when, a, when an artist is queer and then it's kind of like, oh, that's, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was doing some research because I, the only music I ever really did growing up, I grew up playing the cello, but I ended up falling out of it. So I thought, what am I going to contribute to this episode about queer individuals and music? And so I came up with a list of names that I'll probably plug throughout because that's what we do is we plug. Um, but <laughs> so when you when you mentioned that immediately, my name, my thought came to and I totally understand if nobody gets this reference because I grew up on <laughs> very old music. But uh, Leslie Gore. So she oh, yeah. was she was queer. I grew up not knowing that. Um, and one of my favorite songs actually is You Don't Own Me. And I look at it as kind of an anthem of, it's, <laughs> if anyone that hasn't heard it, some of the lyrics are, you don't own me, I'm not just one of your little toys, you don't own me, I'm uh, something like that, and, and don't tell Is me what to do. Is that a queer artist? She's yeah, gay? She's, she's, yeah. she's a female <sighs> queer. And Mind basically, blown. you get like, the, the vibe you get from this song, it is the most polite anarchist I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to say. Yeah. When I go out with you, don't put me on display. But it's really funny because, I mean, some of our other really famous music is like, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. And then it followed up with the sequel, it's Judy's turn to cry. And so you have this, you have this love triangle. This is the weirdest love triangle I've ever heard in music. You had the singer, then you had Judy... And then you had this guy that they kept referencing named Johnny and everybody's fighting over Johnny. And I'm thinking, girls, he ain't worth it. You need to run away, go somewhere (laughs) together. As the Beatles once sang, come together. And I am not talking about a union. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, so um, that's what I thought of immediately. But it, it was one of those moments when I found that out. I was like, that's really interesting. And there's a lot of, I think when we think of mainstream queer representation we think of freddie mercury we think of mm. elton john sam smith for those of you jazz aficionados katie lang mm. um but there's a lot of artists out there that are either unknown or as the millennials say underground or just <laughs> what i feel don't don't they made me they're one of the struggles they fight with against is marketability and what's the the irony is is that music is considered the um universal language mm-hmm. and so that's something we need to keep in mind is if we're going to come together as they said um we need to hear all points of view so like I said, we'll keep the conversation going. I'll get off my little my little podium. Um, there's a lot of queer artists. One, I'll get into some in a minute. But one thing, one link I wanted to post um, that hopefully Kyle will put in the description. If you Google Rolling Stones, has a list of I believe 25 unknown or you know very unrepresented, misrepresented LGBT artists. It's a fabulous list if you if you want to get some new music in your life. And it's from all range of, it's not just like privileged white people, you know, that have really struggled. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, they go from like, they go from pop, they go from jazz to funk. One of them's called like, <laughs> there's it's this the, I think it's called limp wrist and I've never heard them but it's like violent punk is what their yeah. genre is so you know something lighthearted but you know there's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah there's you know people from all all walks of life and all over the spectrum and um I encourage people to at least read that list especially for pride month and open yourself up to some new music and and remember that especially for our queer musicians queer artists and our little queerlings, there's a whole world out there that you don't, you don't always see. 
So just, just open yourself up to it. Keep an open mind. Absolutely. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the, the thing that, that I've been grappling with, and actually Jerrica, it's something that I kind of was hoping to talk to you about, like, as a separate conversation is that, you know, as, as somebody who studied music, I went to school for music, and never really put myself in that position to feel confident or comfortable writing my own music, and has only just now started doing that. It's crazy to me how when you're writing your own music and you're writing it for yourself um, and for the things that, that you care about, you're not thinking so much about that idea of mass marketability like a lot of popular artists and their teams are doing for them. So there's there's that conundrum of like, I'm writing music from the heart that I, that I know will inspire me and inspire the people who enjoy my music, but I'm not writing it for the purposes of getting necessarily mainstream rep- recognition which works against me ever getting any mainstream recognition, if that's even something I would want, you know? So, so I'm curious to know your thoughts about that, about you've, you've developed quite a name for yourself in, in our neck of the woods in a lot of ways. You've been up here in Minneapolis. You do shows all over. Um, Eau Claire, I'd love to have you talk a little bit about Tunes from the Womb as well here coming up. But what are some of the, so, some of the ways in which that kind of plays into your idea of your career moving forward. The idea of like mainstream marketability versus being yourself, your most authentic self. Yeah, I I think maybe I just realized, cause I'm 38 years old going on 39 in July. And even when I, we started this, I was 20, I don't know, 22. Um, I, when I was younger, it was fun to think with my sisters that this could be something. And I think we really wanted it to be something to somehow figure out how to get into the mainstream. But when I went solo, you know, I thought it'd be fun to at least be, I I never thought I'd be mainstream. I thought it'd be cool to get into the indie scene, which is like the caliber of say, uh, well, at the time, Fleet Foxes I loved, Patty Griffin, you know, those folk people that I just really, really love. But I don't, at this age now, it's not about being mainstream. It's about sharing my music with the people who are want to hear it and who it might reach. And the fact that we have this internet, I put it out there. And like The Sea, the album I released uh, almost uh, three and a half, four years ago, can be reached by anyone for years to come. And, and now I'm about to release a new album. It's in the final phases right now, uh, mastering. And um, I got to listen to the mastered uh, first draft just yesterday. And I love it. I'm so excited to share it, but I don't have the hopes and dreams to, it's not what it's, that's not for me. That's not why I'm putting it out in the world. I don't think I'm not marketable, but I am a lesbian. And honestly, that might help me. You know, I Mm -hmm. think people are trying to show more acceptance and diversity and I can give them that a little bit. I mean, I'm white, but um, right now, what I want to hear are Black trans voices. Those are the things I want to shine light on. Um, but uh, it's, not, it's not what it is for me. And I understand that uh, when I was, I'll tell you, 10 years ago, being a lesbian, that would have been harder to try to make myself, uh, that, that would have been a hindrance for me. I don't feel like it is now, if that answers. I know I'm kind of moving around a lot here, but yeah. <coughs> I'm not worried about being marketable. I don't care. <laughs> well, like what I think if you were to break it down even more, what what you're saying is the important goal is to let your voice be heard. Yeah, 
and to you know, reach it's, the people that uh, right. need to hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like we kind of tying into what we talked about last week towards the end about allyship, the littlest, the littlest thing that can make the biggest impact. So, you know, whether or not like say our podcast, we, we only get one more viewer and then we've, we've reached our peak or, you know, um, <laughs> if, if you stay just in the indie scene, which that's a great scene. Um, I was like, oh my God, I need to listen to her music. I love this. Um, <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna reach somebody and that's mm-hmm. gonna make a difference. Um, and I think what's happening now in 2020, even though it's been a year, hasn't even ended, <laughs> but, um, what's happening now is people are realizing that their voice needs to be heard and, and other people's voices need to be heard. And I think the idea of marketability it's still there um especially in the arts but it's it's just it's this uh construct that we it doesn't have to be that way we've sort of just decided this is what it means to be successful but um i think we as individual artists from all different walks of life from different races from different religions different backgrounds um from the queer queer umbrella we're showing that we have value and that we have a voice and a story that that needs to be heard and that, that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well said. Mm-hmm. Well, that's beautiful. And I love- Thanks, Blanche. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also too, I think, I think today more than ever, it's so easy to zero in on people you like. Because before, I don't, like when I was a kid, you had to listen to the radio until your favorite song came on and then hit record on your tape deck and that's how you made a mix. Oh my god, tape. I did that too. Oh, yeah. The days, the days. Because oh. if you wanted a copy of that song and you couldn't afford all those tapes because you were five <laughs> or or forty, I don't know how old you were. Because um, <laughs> today you can go on Spotify or whatever and make a playlist of all your favorite indie queer, you know, Jerica Miguel's. Yeah. You can inc- and you can and you can just thrive on that kind of music. Whereas before, it was kind of like when I kissed a girl came out. Very problematic song with Katy Perry. Lots of opinions, but for me, when that came out, it was a woman singing about kissing another woman, and I was so on board right away. It's problematic, <laughs> and I know, but I was just so excited. So I, I went, Cody Hugo. What were you saying? Do you guys remember Napster? Oh yeah, heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was like my that was the pretty much the that was me in my <laughs> middle school and high school days. Just like I would when I like for Christmas, I remember like two years consecutively. I'm like all I wanted was just blank CDs, <laughs> and then I'd make just a shit ton of mixtapes, <laughs> and they took forever because back in those days the internet sucked and so like <laughs> i would have to like like and it would, it would always happen and never fail you get to like the 98 99 and then your computer crashes and then so then you done. just wasted it five hours of your time and then you're like well i better call in sick to school today because you know priorities but like <laughs> oh i used to do that all the time and yeah i grew up listening to the radio and then having to remember oh that one song and then i took a lot of notes but um <laughs> And then Pandora came along, and mm-hmm. it was fine. But my God, those goddamn ads! And then it's basically just the five same songs over and over. Yeah. yeah. And then Spotify came along, which let's be honest, Spotify is wonderful because they play the Steer Queer podcast. You can find it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
um, but yeah, there's we have we live in an age now where there's so many opportunities for us to find all of those pieces we identify with, we connect with. I remember being a kid, the one thing that I guess made it difficult and without really knowing what queer was, or I I I definitely hadn't come out, but even after I came out, there were certain songs that I really identified with, but I put them in a context of if I ever got married or if I ever found someone, um, I'm single boys, but if I, uh, (laughs) um, if and he I, is pretty. He's so pretty. We go get you a man, social baby. security number. Oh, <laughs> oh no, it's this is an Austin. It's spam. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, like, I really connect with music and also with film. So if I ever saw or if I ever heard music that I thought I'd want to sing to somebody I loved, because I'm a hopeless romantic, it's like certain songs. It's kind of hard because you know, they use those kinds of binary pronouns. And then if you want to put in, I mean, I, I am, I am in full support of gender neutral pronouns. I, I am somebody that does use, I identify as him and I would like to meet my Mr. Right, so to speak. So like, I would want to sing to him, but most of them are, are to this, uh, like uh, singing a song to a girl, you know, like a lot of those like love ballads and stuff. So then it's like, well, I can sing it, but it doesn't really make sense because the uh, flow doesn't sound right. Or, you know, I could just sing it, but then it doesn't mean as much. Or it's, it's kind of awkward because I'm singing to a, a guy, but I'm using the feminine prose. But so it gets kind of frustrating, you know, like you want there to be more, you wish music was just more neutral, you know, so that you could, so that it's for everybody. Yeah. Um, that's one thing I always like had a, a mini gripe about, but um I feel like I can can speak to that a little too as a songwriter, especially my younger years or even before that, just writing poetry. uh, I didn't want to gender it because it would be an identifier. It would out me. So I would, my style, and it still is, is I just say you if I'm talking about anybody. I won't gender it. I'll just sing the you. And, you know, now that I'm, and I have thought of this, I think it would be wonderful if I just wrote a love song that said she her and from my female voice you know I think that and I don't have any I think I do have one song where I do say her but I don't do it on purpose but actively when I was younger I did to hide that Mm -hmm. but I totally hear you and I do prefer songs that don't gender at all so that Mm -hmm. more can relate to it right yeah that's actually I should have I should have clarified but I like the way you said it was so great you is probably the strongest word you could use in a love song. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's all encompassing. Um, and yeah, if you did write a song and use the term she, I mean, you, it's a very personal, beautiful song that you're singing to Maddie. I, I do love that. And I wish, you know, there was more, I guess, in the mainstream, which thankfully now I, I imagine with the, the times, as we call them, I think there is a lot more of that mm-hmm. being open and welcoming. So I think we are seeing a lot of, more of that, you know, just using no pronouns, just talking to everybody. So that everybody can talk, but um, yeah, to be we're clear. She is me. She's singing to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Maddie. It's actually the Austin. And everybody else, every song ever. <laughs> every <My> dear, song <laughs> ever. My dear Shim Sham. Oh, yeah. Mama Shim. Even Katy Perry, I Kissed a Girl, is about me. Yeah, she wrote it for you. She's also a raging narcissist, y'all, but that's okay. 
Okay. It's okay. I'm not mad. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but about five years ago, an album was released and it took like it was a compilation of a bunch of different, very well known musicians Bob Dylan, St. Vincent. Those are the two that I'm thinking of right now. They took very old songs like uh, from Leslie Gore era and they always say, uh, I wish I could think of an example of a song right now that's old that would say, like a boy singing to a girl or vice versa. And they, uh, so St. Vincent say would sing a song that was, was to, but I'm mm-hmm. sorry, to a girl, but she, and it was a boy singing it, but it took her voice. She, the song was exactly the same, same lyrics and everything, but a woman was singing it to a woman. And they have a whole entire album taking these old songs and making them queer. Um, I could Google real quick what that is if you want, but it's really cool. I've played it on my radio show because it's fun. Not the in, a whole entire album, but like St. Vincent's version. I wish I remember that, that song. Oh, Universal yeah, Love. Is. Yeah, there you go. Aww. Isn't that cool? I love that. Our work is beautiful. I love it. It's so queer. <laughs> it's beautiful. Is there, what? Let me see. There oh, yes. Oh, my Pinks God. and purples. <laughs> oh, I yes. love it. I can't. I can't wait to listen to that. And Jerrica, how do we listen? Can we listen to your radio show anywhere? Uh, yeah, anywhere in the world. Uh, but you have to tune in at specific times because it's not like this, a podcast. It's a radio show. And due to rights, we can't release it. Um, but Converge, I know, I'm sad too. It just makes me want to do my own podcast with music. Um, <laughs> but it's on convergeradio.org. You can stream every Thursday at 5 p.m. And it's an hour. And then on Saturdays, it's replayed. But it's iffy when it is. So you just got to catch it at the right time on Saturday. If the wind is blowing in a northeastern direction, <laughs> her show is on Saturday. So Thursdays at 5, Saturdays keep open. Yeah. It's supposed to be 3, but I've heard people hear it on all different times. So this would be a great time for our bathroom break. We're very pro staying hydrated on this podcast. (laughs) So would you like to send us off on our bathroom break? Me? I thought maybe you could sing, it's time to go to the bathroom. No, let's sing Leslie Gore. It's Um, my party and and I'll be There you go. Pee if I want to. Pee if I want to. Yeah. You would pee too if it happened to you. You would go to if you happened to poo. Let's do your podcast. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello everyone, Kyle here, coming to remind you from all of us here at Steer Queer that we will be posting resources and tools and more information along with this episode to help our listeners continue doing anti-racist work, to stay involved, and to continue fighting to make this a better world for everyone, because the change begins with us as individuals and continues with us as a group. Thank you so much, and now let's get back to the show. You guys remember that SNL Christmas sketch about the candle? The candle song. Yeah. That is one of my favorite things. Yeah. I, I got a candle for Christmas last year from a from a friend, and I was like, 
<laughs> we all then, give the so, candle. Yeah, we no. all get um, the candle. <laughs> so then they're like, what? It's, it smells good. I'm like, you have to watch this video. And then I shamed them with that for like the rest of the season. They're like, no, I didn't mean it. I'm like, bitch, you knew what you were doing. You knew what you were doing. Uh, even if it wasn't at the bottom of your bag, it was at the bargain bin at Yankee Candle. You know you didn't get that whole price. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, should we come back? How are we going to come back? Yeah. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are here. We are queer. We're steering that way. And Cody's got another check-in at the bar. Yep. We always, Jericho, we always go for round two. Because oh, okay. I've emptied my bladder. So, <laughs> cheers, queers. Cheers, cheers, queers. For those of us in recovery, we're still drinking day-old coffee from the fridge. With a little bit of soy? With a little or bit of soy. Milk. Oh, with oh, a little bit of soy. Oh, she knows. You did listen. Oh, oh my goodness. I was oh. doing research. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she came prepared, unlike the three of us. <laughs> In my defense, I am tired. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are good medicine. I don't think I've smiled this much and hard and long for a while. (laughs) Hard and long. (laughs) I haven't smiled being hard and long for a long time, honey. (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) Ready to mingle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so queer music is are we talking queer music i want to know what you guys yep. listen to what's in, what, what did you listen to when you were kids Ooh, that you could oh, relate oh. to do always such a great question because i feel like a lot of us start by listening to what our parents listen to obviously or mm-hmm. listen to the 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 adults in our lives what they listen to so I grew up on a lot of old country, like uh, my uh, like Merle Haggard, um, Hank Williams Sr., some some very problematic individuals, but with very beautiful ties to amazing, you know, amazing music. Um, and then I also really loved like 80s, 80s pop growing up. And my sister Kleena, who is eight years older than me, would invite me into a room as long as I just kind of hung out and didn't say anything and, you know, just like, just like (laughs) sat there and, and listened. I uh, developed a love for Blues Traveler and Alanis Morissette and the Green Day and a lot of, a lot of bands from the early and mid nineties that kind of shaped my, my, my view on music. And then as I got older, I got really into musical theater because I am that queer. And yes. <laughs> one of my favorite movies growing up, to my parents' chagrin, was the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, which will explain a lot about how I turned out. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I love putting on makeup, whether it looks good or not, and I love a pair of heels, and I also love, I don't know, like weird science fiction, so... Yeah. It's astounding. <laughs> Time yes. is bleaching. We don't have the rights. We don't have the licensing. <laughs> Speaking of which. But you can do it for at least 30 seconds, right? I, right, Austin? Like Did we that. learn that? There's, it's, there's a time limit. Is it 30 seconds? I, I don't thought remember. That's what, that's what our professors told us. <laughs> all I have to say is, all I have to say is, come at me. <laughs> <laughs> 
How many that was a that was a that was a good that was good and you know it. <laughs> I mean, last week I did a pretty good Mickey Mouse impression, so we're gonna get sued for that. <laughs> oh, what about um, you, Austin? So I was trying to think of because we're talking about like queer identity and music, and I think part of that is female musicians have always spoke to me more. Um, and I think nowadays that more people are allowed to come out queer. I think I am more attracted to a wider array of musicians, but as a kid, um, so my holy trinity was Avril Lavigne, Michelle Branch, and Vanessa Carlton. They were, they were my holy trinity. <laughs> and Listen to looking back on it, because they sang about falling in love and falling in love with boys and at that age subconsciously because I was not out you know that young but I I was drawn to that kind of music and so so yeah I feel like and so I'm totally like that white girl that was all over just like a girl and her piano like (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean that was totally what I loved so yeah Cody what about you um, Anita Bryant. <laughs> okay, that didn't. That didn't. <laughs> you know, I knew. Insert the gif of her getting the pie thrown in her fucking fucking face. <laughs> what a big um, bitch! I just thought that would be really funny. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna. I think, I'm gonna I be think, honest. I don't get it. <laughs> She I think was very anti-LGBTQ. Yeah, I was about to look it up. Was she even a singer? Wasn't she just a person who spoke? She, she, she was had a, singer, a she had a yeah. music career, but she was mainly um, I think either she was the founder or she ran the campaign like Save Our Children. And it was basically yeah. like because queer individuals can't have children, they're basically gonna snatch up your children. Um, yeah. and turn them into their little queer individuals. I have to read a quote, though, and it's going to take me a minute, because I thought this was hilarious, um, this Anita Bryant quote. Um, <laughs> was she the orange lady? Yes, yes. she was. Oh! oh Austin, so, think milk. Okay, yeah. do the joke again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, should we re- should we redo it? No. <laughs> I kind of I like the, like, dead silence, and I'm like, Anybody? Well, I'm trying to be a snarky game. The audience couldn't see my face, but I went. Because I was like. I didn't know she was a singer. I knew her as a person who was like, like you said. Oh, she is a singer. Um, I have to find That's it though. So funny! I immediately thought of Anita Hill, and I was like, "What are we saying?" <laughs> Different. <laughs> no, I was like, "Cody, too soon." <laughs> Okay, you ready for this? She said this once. Okay, and I think this is, I don't care what you say, this is hilarious. As a mother, I know that homosexuals cannot biologically reproduce children. Therefore, they must recruit our children. If gays are granted rights, next we'll have to give rights to prostitutes, to people who sleep with St. Bernard's, and to nail biters. (laughs) What? Why not? Let's yeah. give them rights. Let's I, give them I, I, okay, I just have to know. I think it, I think she's eighty and she's still alive. If I ever get the chance, I'm gonna be like, "What did you have? What happened in your life that you are opposed to nail biting?" <laughs> I know. Because also, in- also less orange juice, more vodka. Come on. <laughs> 
I like that in her playbook, bestiality is better than nail biting. <laughs> better. It's like, so. wow, that is a rigid bitch right there. Okay, so yeah. I should answer the question because I've, I've, said, I've actually done nothing to contribute. So, like, like Kyle said, um, I grew up listening to the music of my forefathers. So, um, and a lot of guys, I don't really talk about my, well, you should know this. Um, I don't really talk about my private life as I've, I've mentioned to both Kyle and Austin. Um, my personal life is very private. It's a thing I'm still struggling with, but I grew up, long story short, I grew up very religious. So the nineties really didn't exist for me. I didn't really know what was going on. I mean, I knew what was going on, but it didn't really make all, I didn't hear it, see it. You know, I was the kid that when Titanic came out, my mom shielded my eyes and I said, jokes on you, mom. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. But <laughs> I said, you should have done the reverse and you might have gotten what you wanted. No, she, <laughs> that's not true. Wendy, I love you. you. You are lovely, a lovely individual. Wendy is America's gift to the world, just so you all know. Um, <laughs> she's America's sweetheart, listeners. Anyway. Um, Wendy Williams. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, Wendy, my mother. I probably going to talk I'm about sorry. her quite often. But anyway, you're not the only one who can make jokes. So I can. <laughs> well, excuse me for living. Um, I'm kidding. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I, I promise I'll get to my point here. So my grandfather's music, which was Motown, '60s, '70s. You know, you had like your Elvis Presley, your Sonny and Cher, the Beatles, the Supremes. I grew up with that and I fell in love with it. I mean, that to me was, I just got down with it. And, you know, obviously it was very isolating because everybody I knew was listening to Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Avril Lavigne, et cetera, et cetera. So you really can't make a, a connection there, you know. But um, as I got older, I then went through a phase and I call it the too late phase of like, when I became more rebellious, AKA white boy, um, I started using Napster and then listening to those things that everybody else listened to. And I was like, Oh guys, I I listened to this great song. And they're like, yeah, that happened like five years ago. And I'm like, well, I want to talk about it now. So, (laughs) um, but I realized I was just living to please other people. So then when I, got into and I wanted to go back to my roots of what I really loved like psychedelic pop you know Motown the um I loved jazz growing up and just that kind of sound it it just really resonated with me um so then as I went into college I really started to find my voice um and for those of you that don't know I am that person that has a vinyl collection I listen to vinyl I absolutely love vinyl I love the ritual of it somebody asked me once they're like Oh, are you one of those people that says vinyl is better? And I said, well, no, I don't even really have a reason why. I just like the ritual. Um, it's just so much fun. I listen to Spotify more than anything, um, not just because they they have us on their system now. But um, so nowadays, I mean, nowadays I go from like, I, it depends on my mood. I go from like, I mean, I love the 80s. I love indie pop. I like funk. I enjoy um, anything in that regard, in that vein. Um, but I do, I have learned throughout the years, a lot of my music choices, a lot of the songs I listen to tend to be very, I don't want to say melancholy, but th- a lot of them either have to do with uh, things I'm lacking in or things that I, I yearn for. 
So I listen to like my music. I'm like, God, I'm depressed, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I like, I like that kind of stuff. I like anything that's very eclectic. I like find. I always say finding, um, I try not to, I said this to someone once, like, I don't have a favorite because you don't know until you've heard something new. So like you could, like, I, I get, I get why people say like, oh, I don't like, let's say this is a popular one. I don't like country or I don't like heavy metal. And for the most part, they're probably lower on my list, but there are definitely songs I've found throughout the years in those genres or any genre that I'm like, yeah, I love that. So it's kind of like just keeping, keeping an open mind, like, and keeping your library open. Um, Yeah. That's my answer. Yeah. And, you know, I can really identify with loving sad music. And I know, Jerrica, <laughs> your last album had... Yeah, I think part of it, personally, is that I think I listen to music to feel something. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think sadness is an emotion that is hard to process and isn't always acceptable to process publicly. <laughs> so, no, I just... I wanted to say I totally identify with that. I will... Uh, a lot of my mixed CDs of the past were all songs to cry to. Uh. <laughs> well, not even just like sad music, but I find like, it's like they're, they could be talking about any um, topic, but a lot of the key transitions and I'm not musically trained. It's been a long time. So I don't know what key it is, but it's very melancholy or there's sort mm-hmm. of a sort of a, you know, whimsical um, ethereal, androgynous type of sound to it so yeah but a lot of what I listen to is is based on it gave me a feeling it it expressed a feeling that I couldn't express through words um so I really relate to music in a lot of ways um it, it, it it really is for me it's kind of it's it's my voice without having I mean I have a voice but it's it's able to express it more eloquently than I ever could so yeah um I just love music, y'all. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Did we get what you grew up on? No. Uh, so, like Cody, I grew up on listening to the oldies, Motown, mostly like doo-wop. Um, and uh, what else? So Elvis, Buddy Holly, mm-hmm. uh, definitely Leslie Gore. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, is she still alive? I don't know if she is. Um, no. But I would... Yeah, so that and that that's that's when I was like, you know, the the beginning. And as I evolved and was getting my own taste in music, oh gosh, I really liked Michael Jackson. I, I okay. watched a documentary that made me not like him anymore. Silence. Oh, that, that HBO documentary with the, yes. with the two. Oh my god, that is like the most uncomfortable, like the driest documentary. Like they just lay it all out there, and they're not like. It's just a flat out, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. And you yep. just have to sit there and take it, not in a joking way. You have to sit there and take it for like, what was it, like four hours or three? It's yeah. really long. It's or two hours. Or something. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh. That is like a name. I listened to a lot of Michael Jackson growing up too. And that is like one of those anomalies where it's like, I don't know if I should... <laughs> what I should do about this. I that's a topic in and of itself, but you're it like, is, yes. oh. yeah. <laughs> like, the way you make me feel. And then you're like, oh shit, I shouldn't say oh. that. Like, right? oh, no. <laughs> I know. It's, it's also like, can we, can we enjoy Jackson five? 
Uh, mm, you know, yeah. because because different time era. None of them yeah. had had committed atrocities yet. Allegedly, except mm-hmm. their dad. Uh, yeah, except their dad wasn't. What, That's was just depressing. Jackson uh, <laughs> Five is just depressing. <laughs> no, no, but, no. It's a. Uh, I, I I love that because it it it's it's one of those things that as we get older and we start learning more things about what we loved growing up, it's it's that whole idea of like you know better, you do better, but there's still that part of you that will always love something about that because of how it affected mm-hmm. you when you were coming up. And well, didn't we say in our first episode kind of like there we we learn as we grow. I think we were talking about media, but we were saying kind of the same thing that there's still a place for it in your journey. You know, you obviously you're not, um, you're not mimicking it anymore. You're learning from it and you've evolved, but you can't deny that that thing still in a sense made you who you are in some way, even if it's a, a little bit or a lot bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. So Jerrica, it's fine that you listen to a lot of Michael Jackson. Because <laughs> I, I listen to everything. We want to validate you. you. We accept you. We love like, you. Austin, thank you. Thank you. Kyle. They play. But okay. as soon as you log out of Zoom, we're going to read you up and down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember when I was a kid, we would dance to Michael Jackson and I would... I had this silly little childish fantasy that he would walk by our house and discover us and we could go to Neverland with him. Yeah. Well, now I know what that means. Yeah. Ah. Oh, I had the same thing. Like, I remember growing up with Michael Jackson and wanting the same thing. Like, I wanted, like, I'd see his live, just the way he danced, his live concerts. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, he is no denying, he was an extreme incredible talent. I mean, he had it all. Um, and I was definitely that kid too. I remember telling my mom once like, Oh, I, I want to meet Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, then you, then you become our age and you watch the HBO documentary and you're like, <laughs> okay, I, I need therapy. But <laughs> <laughs> I just want to find those boys and give them a hug. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, but it's that, rough. Yeah. But as, as my style, uh, evolves, like queer artists two queer artists that I can think of right now that really spoke to me and were perfect in and everything I believed in uh Tracy Chapman and Chris Purica and both of that uh, Tracy Chapman is such a social justice singer and yeah. I've always had a social justice spirit and she was very she would never sing she, she doesn't sing about her sexuality but the, and I didn't even know I, what her sexuality is I don't even think she's actually blatantly said her sexuality but I know we all know um but Tracy, love her. Yeah. Oh, Fast Car. Austin and I, I have a I have a very fond memory of the song Fast Car because we went through a period of time where when we would do just car sings, as we would call them, and just drive around the back roads around Wisconsin and just listen to music and sing along and cry. We would listen to Fast Car and just like by the end of it, just be like gently weeping. <laughs> as we sang along to it it was just so beautiful yeah. i know and i went through i went through a phase where if i liked a song i tried to find every cover of that song so i would make a cd that was literally all fast car like by tracy chapman but then every other track on it was a different cover of that same song what? <laughs> yeah i want to hear i'm gonna i have to look that up absolutely <laughs> mama shim sham was the queen of the cover 
If there was a cover of a song, she had it on a CD. <laughs> yeah. I did the really? same thing with I did the same thing with Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Lauper? Lauper. Saying that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I did like a whole album of covers of that song. Love that song. Wow. Okay, so what is your favorite cover of that song? Because that is an amazing song. Ooh. Cindy Lauper's awesome. She's a great voice for queer people too. Mm-hmm. Great voice um, for humans. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't even know if I know the artist. I'll have to send it to you because this was downloaded off of LimeWire, all the covers. <laughs> <laughs> LimeWire, so. Kazaa, Winmix, all of those. Napster. <laughs> oh. Oh, that was the other one I was thinking of was LimeWire. <laughs> but I will send you it if I find it. All right, I'd love to um, hear it. Because it's very interesting the way it's, anyway, different topic, different topic. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we've been going for a while. um, But I did want to ask Jerrica a few more questions. We've been talking a lot about being queer. And you've been talking about how uh, Eau Claire and the Triple Valley has been very accepting, which I find awesome. Um, Do you ever feel like not only as queer, but being a woman is hard in music? I mean, yeah, definitely. Like, women don't get played as often on the radio, and they get paid less, they get less opportunities. I haven't been personally impacted like that as far as I know. You know, like, I don't, if maybe if I played 300 shows a year, I would feel this more. But my knowledge on it is just based on, because my radio show, I do a lot of research. And I specifically play uh, women, femme-identifying uh, folks, um, LGBTQ. I, I specifically play these people, these folks, because I know that they don't get the airplay. Especially, uh, well, gosh, just a week and a half ago, I did a show on just Black trans. It wasn't just Black, it was trans women. And a bunch of it was Black, too, obviously, because I'm wanting to amplify the voice, do my part in that. I just, I, I just saw Cody's face as a picture. <laughs> I was, so I was like, what was I saying? <laughs> um, I'm looking something up, sorry. I, I figured you were, I figured you were. Um, it's that picture of your lustrous locks. Yeah, mm. I know. Oh, is it? And you're like oh, puppy tell me more. eyes. <laughs> um. So yes, Jerrica, uh, are you coming on to me? I don't mention <laughs> this like one or two. I know. Because <laughs> I um, kissed a girl and I thought, not for me. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. You haven't kissed Jerrica. Oh. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> had four shots. So, <laughs> oh, by the way, Jerica, just because I because you you have to be in on it. Um, these shot glasses, these Golden Girl shot glasses, are two ounces a piece. So I have. Nice. I know. So I had the first time I ever took one of these. Um, was it a? We did a Zoom birthday shot for a coworker, you know, because COVID and whatnot. So my whole uh, work crew, we did a Zoom and we took we took a drink, and so I did my I did my Dorothy shot. Um, and I did two of them, and then I messaged everyone like half hour later. Guys, these are two ounces a piece. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I you think, messaged me too. <laughs> I was like, Aww. I think I o- I open in the morning, so 
Uh, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. Well, I I love them. They're golden girls. You gotta love that. Stay golden. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, Music has been important in my life as a queer person, but honestly, I think film has been more pivotal. Yeah than that like golden girls oh my gosh oh. i loved the those characters what it was just women they carried a show women carried a show and were popular they didn't need a man to sup- be any like the main role they weren't supporting mm-hmm. roles the women they were the lead roles and they're iconic i love them and they were very quick to deal with those kinds of issues you know, they did a lot for the LGBT community. They had a whole uh, episode where Rose gets AIDS and they had, they had to see how they dealt with that. But I mean, they talked about, wow. you know, having your, having sex when you're in your golden years, you know, condoms and whatnot. They talked about racial issues. They talked about poverty. They talked about what it meant to grow older and what that meant in like a, at the time, 80s modern world. And I think what I loved, what I grew up, well, I mean, I grew up with that. So what I loved about it is, it really was, I think they were very much pioneers during their time where it wasn't just like, this is the topic of the week and then we kind of go on with our lives and forget about it. I mean, they really carried these stories in a way that lasted with their audience. It wasn't just like, okay, well, we did this, so we checked it off and now we can go back to our really sedentary, boring, quirky lives. I mean, they really were uh, pioneers and, and spokespeople for not only white people, but anybody. I mean, they dealt with everything and Mm -hmm. they did it in the most elegant and kick-ass way for eight full seasons. Eight seasons, nine (laughs) seasons. Oh my God. They're all on Hulu. Watch them. (gasps) I love Hulu. Yeah. The plugs keep coming. Um, Sponsor us, Hulu. (laughs) I wanted to quick bring up, because I mentioned this during my first shot, um, that there there were a couple of people I wanted to plug and there's two artists that I want to plug, two female artists that are queer individuals. Um, the first one, her stage name is LP. Oh. And the second one is Christine and the Queens. So if you haven't heard of them, look them up. They are fantastic individuals. They are both on the spectrum of non-binary slash androgynous um, and there's an article, that's what I was looking up was an article, um, from the New York times. And I actually, there was a couple of quotes, but we're not going to get into quotes because you're an adult, read it yourself. Um, <laughs> if you go to, if you just Google, um, Christine and the Queens, there's a New York times article that's called gender is a construct. Christine and the Queens built a bulldozer. Um, and it's, it's a fantastic read. Um, and she explains how she, it, a lot of it has to do with opinions on being uh, a female in the industry that is a male-dominated world and you know she and we hear this a lot in in media and you know women in power well a a man in power is something to be glorified and something you you idolize and respect if you have a woman in power she's typically portrayed as bitchy you know sort of like vindictive something like that so um these are two women that i don't know if a lot of people know of um christine is is from France, um, and the Queen's part come for those of you that don't know comes from her um, idolizing and giving uh, significance to drag queens and transgender people. So those are the queens. Um, and LP is an Italian girl from New York. Uh, she actually she she sings a lot, but she's also written a lot of music for 
well-known artists, including Cher, Rihanna, Celine Dion. I mean, a lot of people, like, she's written their their work. So she's this and fantastic lyricist, amazingly a really good whistler. If you if you <laughs> listen to LP alone, just listen for her whistling. It's 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 fantastic. That woman can blow. Um, yeah, <laughs> going back to I, I had because they're two of my favorites. Um, I had to plug them real quick, and they're they're both prime examples of very strong queer individuals um, in our music industry who I hope continue to get a lot of recognition. And I hope um, I'll post links to both of they have two, they both had really great interviews. Um, hopefully we can post them in the bottom, but yeah, those are people that kind of going off what you said, Jerrica, the um, what it means to be not only queer, but also, you know, a woman making her, her uh, mark in this industry. Um, and trying to, and not making it just like, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a voice, and I have an opinion, and I'm not going to let my my gender or my sexual preference, well, it's not really sexual preference, it's your biology. And I'm reminded of a quote, I feel like Oprah, I've made a lot of quotes today, but <laughs> I'm reminded, there's a really great, um, Wanda Sykes had a really good quote in one of her Netflix specials. She said, it was very simple. She said, we're different, but we're equal. And that's something to really that's something to really think about. And I think because we've talked about being an ally and you know being a voice and fighting for other other minorities that don't that deserve respect and deserve to be not only an apology but deserve some change. Um, that's a key to remember. It's not we're all human beings. It's that we're different, but we are equal. I like that. Mm. Powerful Action. stuff here. <laughs> that's, that's some powerful <laughs> stuff. We were all speechless there for a moment. I was like, we got to get this train back rolling. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that was beautiful. I love that um, it comes from a comedian too, because Wanda mm-hmm. Sykes. Uh, well, yeah. that I'll say one more thing. Um, just because my week was consistent of mostly work, and then I, I found some really great comedy specials on Netflix. Wanda Sykes is a really good comedy special. Um, on Netflix, and then um, oh my god, I'm gonna mess up her name. I bo- it's Hannah Hannah Gatsby. Hannah Gatsby. Hannah yeah. Gatsby. Um, if you haven't heard of Hannah Gatsby, she has two really great specials: Nanette and Douglas. Watch them both. I mean, it's I was left speechless. Um, fantastic stuff. A really, it's and it's really important for especially what we're going through right now. But again, yeah, really great, powerful moment, powerful voices. Um, and both of them, not to say this in like a, and she's a woman, no, but like, you know, like, <laughs> like really female, powerful female queer identifying presences who really any, anybody should listen to, whether you're into comedy or whether you, you want to get a perspective that, I mean, they lay it all out there. It, and it's like, wow, yeah, that's it's hard to ignore. <laughs> um, I do, I think we're coming to a close. I do want to end um, with just thoughts from Jerrica, but I don't know, I don't know how to do that ending. Does that, do you know, Jerrica, do you have any final thoughts for us about music, your journey, being queer, all of the above? Um, I, I'm just going to go with what comes to my mind right away from that prompt. Like, I, I have spent a lot of time, especially June, which we're in right now, being Pride Month, 
and I assume this will come out still in June. Mm-hmm. Um, the I've, I've my radio show has just been all queer music this this week or month. I'm sorry, and so I've seen and been exposed to more stuff than I have. I uh, it's new to me, but I have always sought out queer artists, and I I love Cody how you are giving references. Rolling Stone gives them all. I get, I gotta do is Google queer artists queer musicians and boom you get all these lists we'll it's even spoon awesome. feed it to you we'll put the links in the description you, <laughs> all you have to it. do is click it <laughs> use your hand and press a button and if click you it and learn that, it God help you. you probably need to see a doctor <laughs> <laughs> um billboard has uh, a billboard pride uh, media source too. Mm-hmm. They've got an Instagram page which I follow, and I've discovered a lot of fun things on that too. But queer music is so lively, and it's so, and it can be so sad, and it can it speaks to everything and everybody. Um, it's not just for queer people; right. it's for everybody. And um, I'm right now really loving like Big Frida, um, mm-hmm. Shia Diamond. Um, like, I just want to plug these artists. There's so many great trans artists out there. And another thing too, like, I can't wait till we get to a point where we don't have to say the gender, the sexuality before you say musician. They're just freaking musicians. And every song can be for everybody. Um, and yeah, I just, I I thank you guys like for letting me share your platform and sharing this stuff too. Um, I don't know what else to say. Like, keep listening. What's been the most like, what's like the most important lesson you've learned on your musical journey? Ooh, to be 100% authentic. When I sing and I perform a show live, I go exactly to that place where that song was written. And I've been vulnerable on stage. And actually being on stage is basically the only place I I am comfortable to be vulnerable. because I want to give my listeners the most real experience that I can give. So that's what I've learned is be real. Don't fake it. Just be you. Just, yeah. Be authentic, yo. Yeah. Oh, we need to put that on a t-shirt too. Uh, <laughs> so many great t-shirt ideas. We've had like one every episode. Merchant- I love that. <laughs> I love that so much because I feel like growing up, queer people were always given the message to be authentic is to be selfish and Mm. self-indulgent. And so I just love that you said that because it isn't. It's it's just so healing to be authentic. And listening to your music is healing. So I love it. Every every Jerica concert I go to is a spiritual experience. (laughs) It is for me too. (laughs) It's so hard. It's, I get such high anxiety because I know I'm about to pour my heart out and that's not easy. That takes a lot of energy. Right. It's a lot of courage. Oh my God. Absolutely. But that's, that is successful art in my opinion. And I think all of us can agree. If you put yourself out there, that's what resonates the most. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So to all of our listeners, please go to Spotify or to Jerrica's website, which we will link down below and look up Like the Sea. Uh, Jerrica's, that was, was that your first, that was your first full EP, right? Your first yeah. full release. Yeah. yeah. 
So go go have a listen to that. And Jerrica, where else can people find you on the interwebs? You can. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all I think all the social medias. I have a YouTube page too that gets posted songs every once in a while. A documentary that uh, Austin and I made is on there too. <gasps> <laughs> when we, because Austin and I know each other from college. Um, uh, I, and I, I stream everywhere. Everywhere you stream, I'm there. I'm there for you. Fantastic. Well, Jerrica, thank you so much for being here today. This was thank so you wonderful. Guys. We love you. I love you. <laughs> this is how we end every episode. Are you ready? Okay. On three, one, two, three. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. That was our best one. That That is how it ends every episode. That's great. Things that surround me now, they're just things they don't matter now. All I want your arms to surround.